following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. I imagine it was decades ago when someone said that that particular prayer is one of the common prayers which did surprise me at the time growing up in a in a Lutheran household as even as as a boy and in as a teen I I learned to pray that prayer pretty much before every meal and at least at the time I figured well everybody prays that particular prayer it's a common prayer but then I learned that's not the case at all the prayer Come, Lord Jesus, was originally Come, Herr Jesu, German. And it's a prayer that's been used as a table prayer by Lutherans and, and Moravians and other Protestants, largely of German descent. So even if your own table prayer heritage is Swedish or Swiss or Serbian or, or Spanish or English or, or just plain American, and even if you learn to pray different prayers at the table, the first three words of this prayer are just extraordinary. Come, Lord Jesus. You and I have been invited to speak that prayer, not just at our meals, but at times of great need, at times of danger, at times when, when everything seems against us. That's apparent right here when, when Jesus comes to the assistance of his disciples, and, and, and then when he comes to, to help and heal, heal literally, and I mean literally, literally, everyone who touches his coat. Your prayer and mine can always quite confidently be, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, with your tender words and, and come with your completely amazing power to heal us. In recent weeks, many who attend worship services at Living Savior or listen to us online have been becoming quite familiar with the setting of this entire chapter. Uh, it's a time when Jesus is at the, the height of his popularity. So many people are coming to him to be instructed and to be assisted that uh, it turns out he and his disciples, they, they don't have a moment to, to, to bow their heads and, and say a table prayer and then have something to eat. He says to his disciples then, well, come with me to a, a, a quiet place and get some rest. So at his direction, they, they get into a boat, they, they raise the sail, they, they grab the oars, and they, they head to a, a remote place along the lake. Th those people where he is, though, they, they don't stay put. They, they watch him as his 
boat heads out in the lake and they, and they go running along the shore to where they figure he's going to stop this remote place. And when he and the disciples land the boat, there they are, thousands of them. And of course, Jesus, with his compassionate heart, he can't just shoo them away. No, he spends another busy day healing them and, as St. Mark puts it, teaching them many things about God's kingdom. The day gets late. People are getting hungry. Nobody's thought to bring along something to eat, except Peter eventually finds this little boy who's got five loaves of barley bread and two little fish. Jesus, and the, Jesus instructs the crowd to sit down on the grassy hillside overlooking the lake. And then as he gives these loaves and fish to his disciples, he multiplies it over and over and over till everybody has enough to eat and is completely filled and, and there are leftovers. Years later, one of the disciples who was there, John, remembered what the people on the hillside started talking about. Their conversations apparently went like this, that you know, if we just made him, Jesus, to be our, our king, well then, nobody would ever be hungry again. Uh, and then none of us would have to, you know, go out in the fields to plow and plant and pull weeds, and we, we wouldn't have to, to, to harvest and, 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 and thresh and, and, and grind the weed into flour and bake bread. And, and none of us would have to go out onto this dangerous lake to, to catch fish to, to eat and to sell. We, we, just, we just force him to be our king. And we'll have this every day. Jesus becomes aware of that, that conversation going on. And, and, and so he immediately compels his disciples, you know, come along, keep moving, come on, you got to go. And, and, and he forces them into a boat. And as I imagine it, he, he himself shoves them out into the water. And then, and then Jesus sneaks away from the crowd and he, and he goes up on the mountain around that, that's around the lake for prayer. He spends hours in prayer, undoubtedly asking his heavenly father to to guard his followers from, from earthly-minded notions. Wouldn't he, wouldn't he have prayed that? And don't you think he also would have prayed that, that those who, who look to him would look to him for more than just temporary bread to, to meet an earthly need, but that they look to him for the, the bread of eternal life, for their eternal need? Don't you think he also prayed that? St. Mark tells us he, he spent the night alone on the mountain in prayer. And then at one point, apparently, he, he paused and looked out in the moonlit lake and, and he sees the boat with his 12 disciples in it and, and they're in trouble. Uh, the wind is, is blowing so hard against them that they're making no progress. Normally, it would take maybe an hour and a half for, for, the, for their boat to... to to sail across the, that, that end of the lake, but, but it's been six hours, seven, eight hours, and they've, they've pulled the sail down, and they're just straining at the oars, and, they, and they're stuck in the middle of the lake. So the Lord Jesus, he, he 
comes out to them walking on the lake. He acts as if he wants to pass them by. Well, maybe this is a test that, you know, they'll, they'll be able to add up what had happened with the, the five loaves and the two fish, and they'd recognize only Jesus would be capable of walking on the water, and he's coming to help us. But, but even though all of them see him in the darkness, they, they're, they're, they're terrified. They, they cry out, it's, it's a ghost. And then this, this very tender moment, the Lord turns to them and walks toward them and he, he says, he says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And he climbs into the boat with them and as soon as he does that, the, the wind that was against them is suddenly calmed. Now that I've retold the whole account and, and you've been refreshed in your memory of it, I wonder how you might do with a simple elementary school exercise. You know, exercise like this, you know, I, I would say, so now take out a piece of paper and, 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 and take a pencil or a pen and, and write these three words. Jesus is not. And write them several times. Jesus is not. And then just from what you've been hearing and what you've been reading here, uh, finish the sentence as often as you can. Given time, what would you write? Jesus is not. He's not someone who allows his followers to be tested more than, than we can bear. That's not who he is. Instead, he, he, he shoos us away from ungodly thinking and, and, and worldly notions, probably more often than we realize, thank God. Jesus is not someone who hurries through his prayers and then rushes on to more important things. Scripture tells us that Jesus was was frequently devoted to speaking to the Heavenly Father in prayer. And it also says this, that, that he's always at the right hand of God the Father and also interceding for us, praying to the Father on our behalf. Jesus, oh, here's an easy one. Jesus is not subject to the laws of nature and, and the way things usually work. That's not who he is. He's the creator. And all things in creation are possible for him, including walking on water. Jesus is not the, he, he's not the person who walks away when you and I have turned foolish or superstitious. That's not who he is. When, when you and I have turned foolish or superstitious, he, he comes to us. Jesus is not that person who scolds you for being afraid in those situations when you should have known better. Jesus is not the one who condemns you, even, even when you 
you, you, you fail to understand what he's proven himself to be. That's, that's not who he is. Now, Jesus always climbs in the boat with us and speaks very tenderly to us. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Six-year-old Lizzie cries out from her bed in the middle of the night. Mom comes rushing in from the next room and sits on the bed with her as, as, as her daughter rushes on and on about giant spiders on the ceiling and slippery snakes on the floor and a wicked witch in the closet and, and scary ghosts running after her. To which her mom keeps saying, it's me, sweetie. Don't be afraid. It's me. It was, it was just a bad dream. It's me. And I'm here for you. There comes a time for any, everyone when mom is no longer in the next room to come and, and, and set things right with, with what she can say. But the Lord Jesus always comes to us. And his words prove him to be a, a, a mighty protector and a, and a compassionate helper. His words correct our fears about, about things that are not real and, and, and they chase away our fears about things that are real. His words express truth that counters our unbelief and that meets every need. So you and I regularly can pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, with your tender words. When they had crossed over the lake, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Those people then ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever Jesus went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. So apparently it went like this. A young man suffering from a brain tumor that at that time would never have been diagnosed and yet would eventually disable him and take his life. His, his brothers carry him to the, the town square and, and they place him in the town square. And, and as Jesus is standing right next to this young man talking to somebody else, the young man reaches out and he touches the edge of Jesus' robe and the brain tumor is gone. A woman is suffering from dangerous and life-threatening seizures. At that time, there's no medications that can maybe bring the seizures under control, so her... her her friends, they, they bring her and they, and they set her down on a, on a mat in the, in, in the middle of the village and, 
And, and she waits there for hours, and then, and then Jesus comes, and as he slowly walks through the crowd of all these people that are, are, are ailing in one way or another, she, she just reaches out and touches the edge of his cloak, and the seizures are gone. She's healed. We, we, we kind of get used to in the scripture how Jesus heals the blind and the deaf with with a touch of a healing hand or how he speaks healing words to those who are crippled and unable to walk or those those suffering from uh, some terrible disease. But for these weeks in Gennesaret, just a touch of the hand to Jesus' outer garment and all who touched it were healed. So here we have it again. He who fed thousands and who, who walked on water and who could calm a storm in an instant uh, to, to the great amazement of, of the disciples who didn't even understand him, he, he, he was able to heal everyone who, who touched him with a, with, with a hand. St. Mark announces the overriding truth in the very first verse of, of his whole account. In the very first verse of his whole account, the gospel according to St. Mark, he says that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the Son of God, eternal and almighty. So when, when you're in touch with him through any reminder of baptism's grace, the Son of God is, is all-powerful to have washed away all your guilt and to have, to have sealed your, your confidence in his eternal life, in, in, his, in his eternal love. That's who he is. When you're in touch with him and with his body and blood and in the sacrament, the Son of God is all-powerful to, to assure you that he humbled himself even to death on a cross and then, and then conquered death. Having purchased your forgiveness, he conquered death so that you live eternal. That's who he is. And whenever you're in touch with him through the, the word that's written and read or spoken and heard. The Son of God is omnipotent, that if it's his will, will he can heal you in any way, whatever ails you. If that's what's best for you, he can heal you. And he will always heal your, your wayward thinking and, and my woe is me attitude and, and our weakening faith. And he'll come to us to, to strengthen us in amazing ways. The Apostle Paul, as we read, his, he's, he's finishing the race. He's finishing 30-some years of doing Christian mission work. He's been carrying out perhaps the, the most difficult task he possibly could be given. And he's, and he's going to people who aren't necessarily going to receive it well. And he's telling them that, there is one Savior, one Lord, and that, and that 
his name is Jesus and that salvation is through him alone. And so the Apostle Paul has been doing this and, and, and he's been doing this to the, to the, to the chagrin and anger of, of the government that hold, upholds the, the, the emperor as God. And so Paul's been arrested once before and held for years and now he's been arrested again and he's had a, a defense hearing in the emperor's courtroom. When that happened, nobody who had any sort of influence in that courtroom, nobody who, who could have had influ influence by speaking in his, half, in his behalf was present. They all abandoned him. So what's going to happen? A death sentence for the apostle? Will he be executed for proclaiming the name of Jesus as king? So be it, he writes. Because whenever and wherever he proclaimed the love of Christ, the Lord stood at my side. Perhaps nobody else did, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. And, and as Daniel long ago, I was rescued from the lion's mouth. That, that's the confidence that, that you can have whatever you're dealing with, including those that, that, that are against you for the most important thing you're telling them as you, as you tell them about Christ, the only Savior. That's your confidence, and it's my confidence, and, and it goes along with this great statement from the apostle. The Lord will rescue me. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. So you and I will, will speak the truth along with the apostle and we'll, we'll pray along with the apostle and we'll, we'll pray along with those Lutherans of German heritage and say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, not just to be the, the guest at our table. Come, Lord Jesus, in any and every situation, including when things seem to be against us, come, Lord Jesus, with your, your tender words and with your completely amazing power to rescue us. Mm -hmm.